0: Good to see you guys this morning, and we are starting a new series of messages this morning called All the Feels, All the Feels, and so uh, maybe you've kind of heard this term before and it just, uh, you understand we're talking about feelings, we're talking about emotions over the next uh, several weeks, we're talking about uh, these things that we all have, right, uh, some of us we have we feel like we have them more than others, right? <laughs> so you say, some of you guys got a lot of a lot of feelings. You got a lot of feelings. Some of you don't let your feelings out. You know, you kind of stuff them down. You just you put them in the backpack and you zip it up and you say so we're not we're not gonna talk about this stuff. I'm not I'm not going to show any feelings. So some of you uh you know it's kind of that that pendulum swings one way or the other. Uh but we're in this series called All the Feels, and uh this morning um is being Super Bowl Sunday, we told you to wear jerseys, and I'm wearing my jersey today. Uh, I've caught a lot of flack about wearing this, this, this shirt today with uh, the Atlanta Falcons on it. And that's all right. I understand. I get it, right? Because they're just bad. They're horrible, and, and, and I understand the feelings. I, if you are a fan of Georgia sports, If you are a fan of the Braves, if you're a fan of the Georgia Bulldogs, if you're a fan of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, if you are a fan of the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Hawks, let's just go ahead and just wrap them all up in there. You know, we have these emotions that we have gone to some of the highest highs, right? Where it's like, yes, this is our year. This is our year. Only to be pushed off the cliff of, no, this is not your year, once again. And so we have these emotional swings. We have these, these emotions where it just seems like it's, well, man, it's just, you know, this is, this is great, to like, this is despair, and I understand that. I'm with you. I, we feel solidarity. And so maybe some of you guys, you're not from Georgia, and maybe you've got your own calamity in your state. You know, maybe if you're from Ohio. You know, I, we were talking about the Bengals a little earlier. I understand. I get that. You know, we've got some Bengals fans. You know, we understand. I, you know, and so we hope for better days, right? We're hoping for, for to see good things happen with our sports teams. But we understand, you know, sometimes that doesn't always happen. And uh, we get these emotional swings. We get these these feelings that we carry around, and, and we experience a lot of them. Now, some of you guys are what we have a term called bandwagon fans. Bandwagon fans are those fans who don't really experience a lot of emotional swings because you just pick a new team when you don't want to go down, right? You're just like, which is the next team that's coming up? Wow, you know what? I think I'll be a Tampa Bay fan this week, Right? I say, th- th- what, t- what team is Tom Brady for? That's what team I'm going to pull for this week, right? What, what team, you know, and so the bandwagon fan is the one who, they don't have a lot of emotional swings. I kind of see them as, they're, they're kind of like a Volkswagen, old Volkswagen Beetle dashboard and the Volkswagen Beetle dashboard looks like this right here. It's not a lot to it. There's not a lot going on. You know what? There's not a lot of switches. When, when you want something to change, something you just flip one switch, and that's about it. There's not a lot happening there, right? There's not a lot of swing in a bandwagon fan because they just pick a new team. But for those of us who have some loyalty to our teams, we have a lot of emotion, and our cockpit or our dashboard looks a little something like this. It looks more like the Millennial Falcon. Because we have buzzers and lights and things going off and then it's beeping and it's buzzing at us and we're like, what is going on? You know, we have all these emotions and this, this rush and it's like how we're trying to process all this stuff. We're trying to feel all the feels. And that's kind of what we're talking about. That's kind of where, where we're going over the next several weeks is really we're going to talk about feelings. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, good feelings, we're going to talk about bad feelings, we're going to talk about um, what God thinks about these feelings and and how we can live godly even in the midst of our feelings. Um, and so this morning, this is kind of the idea, is this idea of that dashboard, that your feelings are like a dashboard. Now, we are emotional people, uh, and some of us, like I said before, some of us feel like maybe we're too emotional. Uh, or maybe we're not emotional enough. I, some people, you know, they just, just want to go punch them on the arm and say, hey, wake up, you know, have some emotion about something. I'm like, okay, cheers, you know, and it's like, c- come on, where, where's the emotion at? Some of us, we're just all emotion. You just walk in and you're just like gushing all over the place with emotion. You're like, it's too much, too much, back off a little bit, right? And um, so we are emotional people, but we are emotional people because God created us like that he did. God created us emotional because God is emotional. Have you ever thought about that? You probably hadn't thought about that. You probably thought about, you know, somebody that you know being emotional. <laughs> they're emotional, right? But you've never probably said that about God. <laughs> God's emotional. Is he? Is he really? God is emotional. If you look all throughout scripture, God reveals himself as being emotional in so many ways, and so for us, when, when we look at ourselves as people, we have to say we are emotional because God created us like that and we reflect an emotional God. When the Bible says in Genesis that we are created in the image of God, I know sometimes people think, well, it's just our bodies. Maybe, you know, this is kind of it, but, but this is it. The Bible says that God is spirit. Now, I know Jesus has a body, but it says God the Father is spirit. And so how are we in the image of God the Father? So, God the Father is emotional in the way that He has revealed Himself in Scripture, and so we are emotional in that way as well, that we get a chance to reflect our Heavenly Father in these emotions. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let's go read this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is, uh, is part of wisdom literature, and um, it, is, it is, uh, really kind of takes... Uh, a lot of the experience of of life, and and, and the the writer Cohileth pins these words, and he just says all these experiences. There's a time and place for them. And actually, there was a uh, I think it was the birds in the '60s. They wrote a song to this uh, to this scripture, uh, put a tune to it. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, beginning in verse one, it says, "For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant." and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. He just reminds us that there is a time and place for every emotion, that in every one of these experiences that we experience, there's emotion that gets connected with it, and he says there's a time and place for that emotion. And so sometimes we, we kind of hate ourselves because we feel those emotions. And we're like, I just don't want to feel this right now. And so, you know, we, we try to figure out what this looks like without having to feel emotions. But, see, I think what we find is this. It God, God has emotions, and, and probably the best picture of this is Jesus. That if you go look at the life of Jesus, Jesus lived the life where he steps into emotion and i want us to look in john john chapter 3 if you go i'm sorry john chapter 11 john chapter 11 john chapter 11 is a story where jesus loses a friend and maybe you've you've had that experience where you've lost before maybe you've lost someone to death maybe you've lost in relationships of uh, breakups and divorces maybe you've lost where people have just walked out on you and turned their back on you in friendships Maybe you have suffered loss and you've, you've experienced grief because of losing. Maybe you've lost health. Maybe you've lost um, jobs. And so in all these ways of suffering loss, we grieve in, in loss. And Jesus, if you come and look in this story in John chapter 11, he steps into this experience. And so his friend Lazarus has died, and Jesus gets word that he's on his deathbed and they're wanting Jesus to come and they're wanting Jesus to do Jesus stuff, right? (laughs) Only the stuff that Jesus can do because they're like, I'm not Jesus. I can't do this. I can't handle this. So I need God to step into this. So Jesus, you're that person. You're God. So we need you to come. And he doesn't get there in time and his friend dies. And if you can imagine what that's like, If you can imagine, and some of you can, some of you know, it's like I needed God to step in, and it felt like he didn't step in at that moment. And maybe you felt disappointment, and maybe you felt disappointment with God. And so Jesus doesn't shy away from any of these emotions, and he steps right into it. In verse 28, this is what we find in the story. It says, And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying, In private, the teacher, which is Jesus, is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep alone. Her brother had already died, and they thought she was going out to... To the place where he was buried. Verse thirty-two, and now when Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell at his feet, saying to him, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died." See some of you right there. I, I could stop at that statement right there, and you say I resonate with that so much. God, if you'd only shown up. God, if you'd only been here in that time, in that moment, I wouldn't be experiencing what I'm experiencing right now, but God, you weren't. What does Jesus do? He doesn't point his finger at her and say, oh, you shouldn't feel like that. What does Jesus do? This is what what it says, and and verse 33, and when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her weeping as well, he was dead. Deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Wow! Doesn't that tell you a lot about Jesus? Doesn't that tell you about a lot about God, the God of the entire universe that created everything? The reason that you're breathing this morning is the fact that God has allowed your body to have breath. Do you realize that? It's not because you just willed yourself to be alive today and to breathe today. It's because God has allowed you to have breath in your body, and he sustains us, and he sustains every breath. So that God that sustains every breath was willing to step into this woman's pain, to step to her and feel pain with her. He could have said, hey, don't worry about this. I know how this ends. I've got all this wrapped up. I can take care of this. Don't worry about this. He doesn't say that. He doesn't tell her not to feel, and he doesn't say, well, you know what? I'm going to let you go to feel the way that you want to feel. I'm going to stand over here until you get done, and then I'm going to fix things. That's not what he does either. He steps into that moment with her. And to me, that is just, just telling about who God is. It's telling about what our father thinks about our feelings. When sometimes we kind of we have feelings come in, it's like oh, I really shouldn't feel that way, and oh, God probably is just disappointed in me. And then we just feel even worse because we're disappointed in ourselves. We think that God's disappointed in us, and it's just a cycle of disappointment. But really, what we see Jesus doing here and says, I know that you hurt. I hurt with you, and I feel hurt too. Because not only was Lazarus someone that was created by me as a child of God, Lazarus was my friend. And so you know what it's like when you have pain or when you see someone that you love have pain, you have pain too, don't you? When your children are hurting and their hearts are broken, and you know what that's like. When you see them and you reach out and you say, yep, That's exactly what Jesus did. He stepped into that moment. He stepped into that that time, and he says, I'm drawing you close, and I'm experiencing this with you. And so Jesus, he didn't push her away. He was deeply moved, and his spirit greatly troubled. And he, he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept the shortest verse in the entire bible. Usually when we talk about this verse, it is only the time that we talk about it in like bible trivia. What's the shortest verse in the bible? Jesus wept, right? Everybody knows that, right? And if you didn't, I just helped you win a bible trivia game right there, okay? You're you're welcome. You can thank me later. All right, so Jesus wept. Jesus wept because Jesus was moved deeply. He had emotion. And so sometimes we're ashamed of our emotion. Sometimes we're ashamed that we feel. But Jesus was not ashamed to feel. Jesus was not ashamed of those who were feeling. He stepped into that moment, and he felt with them. Jesus wept with them. And so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have also kept this man from dying? And once again, there's all that emotion. You swing from these, from these moments of grief to these moments of just disappointment. It's like, could he not have done this? And you know and I know we, we say these things in, in our head. But this is the thing about emotions. This, this is it. Emotions are that dashboard. Emotions aren't really the problem, right? Emotions are just a signal of the problem emotions are what just tell us that something is going on. So when you drive your car and the gas light comes on, you're like, oh, man, oh, I, I hate that gas light. That gas light's on again. You know, what? that gas light just comes on every week. I'm tired of seeing that gas light come on. You know, what? give me a piece of duct tape. I'm going to tape that thing up. There you go, I fixed it. Did it fix your problem? Absolutely not. You're going to have another problem sitting on the side of the road because you got mad at the gas light, Right? And see, sometimes we do that. We get mad with our feelings, or we get angry with our emotions, or we have have feelings about our feelings, and it's like, ah, what do I do with this? And sometimes we don't want to deal with them. See, the issue isn't whether someone feels. The issue is whether a person can identify what they're feeling and manage that emotion in a helpful way. That's That's what really matters. See, it's not that you're feeling the feelings. It's not that that you have feelings. It's not whether you're feeling this. We're all going to feel. We understand it's how we're created. If you're a person, you're created to feel because that's how God made you. But the issue is this, is whether we can identify what's going on and then be able to respond to that in an appropriate way respond to our feelings in an appropriate manner. And I think that's what we're going to be looking at. That's what we're going to be talking about. So, so today we're just talking about the dashboard. The dashboard is what your emotions are. It's the lights that light up. It's the buzzers that sound. It's the signal that says, hey, 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 something's happening here. Something's wrong here. Something is not right. Or maybe something is amazing here. Oh, I feel great. I feel joy. I feel happiness. You know, that's that, those are signals to what is going on in your life body. Tony Evans, I love what Tony Evans said. Tony Evans is is a a pastor. Tony Evans said this. He says, if you don't deal with your feelings, your feelings will deal with you. At some point, right? If you try to push them down, put them in a backpack, zip them up, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to deal with that right now. After a while, your feelings will actually start dealing with you. They'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you'll try to stuff stuff down and put stuff down, put stuff down. And and, and after a while, you will have to deal with it. See, it's one thing to react with emotion. It's another thing to observe and to analyze and deal with that emotion with wisdom. That's, That's a wholly different thing. That's a wholly different thing is to deal with this emotion with wisdom. So how are you feeling about right now? How, how are you, when you ask that question, how do I feel right now? Maybe you ask this question, how do I feel about my feelings? Have you ever asked yourself that? Probably not, right? How do you feel about your feelings? Some of you say, well, I, I just, I have so many negative feelings. I have so many positive feelings. I have, you know, so many feelings that are just coming. I don't know. I have all this gush of emotion that's happening trying to process it. A couple things I want us to look at right here as, as we move through this. Sometimes it's good to feel bad. Sometimes it's good to feel bad. Negative emotions aren't always a bad thing. Negative emotions aren't always a bad thing. Now, let me tell you how this, this works. And, and you're like, I, I don't know that I agree with that, but it works like this. See, feelings of distress and being horrified by abusive situations is the right feeling to have. So if you were to look at someone who is being abused and you were to be distressed by their abuse and you were to be horrified by their abuse, that is actually the appropriate feeling to have. That is actually, you know what, that's supposed to happen. That's supposed to happen that way because feeling bad sometimes is a good thing and negative emotions aren't always a bad thing. Feeling grief when you lose someone is because you truly love them. When you feel grief when you lose someone, it's because, you know what, I I truly love this person. And if you lost someone and you did not feel grief and you didn't feel that loss, then you would say, wow, maybe I didn't really love them at all. Right? But you know this. You know that when you lose someone, you love that that feeling of grief. It, It doesn't feel great. But it's because you love them so much. When you feel disappointed When you fall into the same pattern of sin over and over and over, that's not a bad thing. When you look at yourself and say, oh, man, I can't believe I did this again. Oh, man, I can't believe I I, I acted that way again. I can't believe I I said that again. Man, I, I can't believe I did that. When you're disappointed in yourself in that moment, that's not a bad thing because what you're doing is you're recognizing, yeah, that's something that was wrong in my life. And so to experience that negative emotion is not a bad thing in that moment. See, we are made in the image of God. And if we're made in the image of God, it means that we should be bothered by what bothers God. It means that we should see the world as he sees it. And it also means that we should respond how he should respond, how he would respond. That's what that means for us when we're made in the image of God. That when he sees things that are distressing, when God sees things that do not make him happy, when I see those same things, I don't want to be happy about it. If I'm seeing someone that's abused, when God looked down and saw the children of Israel being abused by Egypt and by Pharaoh, he wasn't happy. And he said, this is not good. And so to be distressed by that was not a bad thing. So negative emotions are not always a bad thing. The same as can be said for positive emotions. Positive emotions aren't always a good thing. Positive emotions, uh, it, it can actually be a bad thing to feel good. Um, and this is, this is how that looks. If you feel joy when you've caused someone pain. I'm not asking for any confessions this morning. But if you've ever felt joy by, you know what I did that to them. I'm glad it. I'm glad they got that. They deserve it. If if you ever felt that when you feel uh, you feel good about causing someone else pain, or maybe maybe you feel good if someone else has a set, setback because that means that you can um, you can get ahead of them. Oh man, they they really lost out on this one. I'm moving up wow that was that was really I can't you know I can't believe that they they made that big mistake. I can't believe I never would have done that, but you know what their their loss is my gain. I feel good about this. It's not always a good thing to have happen if you feel hopeful that your affair is going to stay a secret. it's not a good thing right it's so it's like when when you describe it in that way it's like oh well. No, that doesn't make, yeah, that's, that's not good. So sometimes our n- negative emotions aren't always a bad thing and our positive emotions aren't always a good thing. What this is called, when you're able to look at these things, this dashboard of emotion and analyze this and begin to uh, take that data and, and begin to process it, and you can do something with that, this is what that's called. It's called EQ. It's called emotional quotient. Or uh, emotional intelligence, uh, and it said that EQ emotional quotient is better is a better predictor at success than IQ. That that people who just seem super smart, wow, they're just amazingly smart. That people who, actually who may not have as high an IQ. But their EQ is that they're able to feel the emotions, they're able to process the emotions that they're feeling, and they're able to say, this is the data, this is what I've got, and this is how I need to respond and respond appropriately. says those people actually become more successful because of their emotional intelligence. What is it? What is emotional intelligence? Let me give you a definition. Emotional intelligence is this. It's the ability to observe all the sensations in your body and interpret that experience and then use that information to act productively. That's what that is. That I, I, I'm taking in everything that I'm experiencing. My dashboard is lit up with all kinds of lights, but I'm taking all this in and I'm processing this information. And I'm realizing, you know what, if, if I'm feeling this, there may be something else going on. So if there's something else going on, there's something deeper under the surface. What is under the hood? Because that's really the problem, right? It's not your dashboard. When the lights go off, it's actually something under the hood. So when the, the lights in your emotions, your, your emotional dashboard goes off, it means there's something under the hood that's happening. And when you look at that, you begin to process that data. You say, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to respond productively to this emotion. See, sometimes we feel bad because we we experience an emotion. Um, You can't stop emotion from feeling an emotion any more than you can keep a bird or a plane from flying over your head, right? I mean, when you feel an emotion, it's like, man, I didn't ask for that. It's not like you woke up one morning and said, man, I just want to be depressed today, right? This seems like a great day to be depressed, Nobody does that. Nobody does that. What you do is you wake up and you look at the life that you have and you begin to respond to that life and your emotions begin to, to roll up and then you're like, man, I feel this way. But emotional intelligence, there are three skills and, and I'm going to close out with this so somebody can complain. There's three skills with, that come with having this emotional intelligence. The first thing is this, self-awareness. Self-awareness. What is happening in me? What is happening in me? Uh, Sometimes we're only aware of a small percentage of the things that's going on in our body, right? When you got up this morning and your feet hit the floor, did you say to yourself, whew, yeah, whew, yeah. Feel that blood pulsing through my knee. yeah wow, yeah, right? No, you were bleary-eyed, and you stumbled to the kitchen trying to find coffee because you didn't know what was going on or which end was up, right? You're just like, I just need some coffee right now, right? But in your body, there's all these things that are going on, and you're not even aware of them. The fact that you have blinked this morning, as many times as you have blinked, nobody this morning says, "I, I, I need to blink. You've just been blinking, right? Have have anybody in here you've had to tell yourself to breathe this morning? Have you had to say, all right, brain, breathe. Now, maybe when you get in a panic, you have to do that. But not many of us in here this morning, I don't think, have have been at that point where we're like, most of us have been unaware of the stuff that is going on in our body. And so we're not really self-aware at most of the things going on in our body. We are aware of a tiny percentage of the things that are happening in our body. So we, to have uh, emotional intelligence, we have to become self-aware. And not only do we have to know what's happening under the hood, we have to take that information and we have to interpret that information. You have to interpret that information with truth and honesty. See, because sometimes we feel things and we try to make ourselves say, well, that's not it. That's not what I'm feeling. That's not what this is about. We try to live in some other world that's not reality. And actually, I think that's substance abuse is because people don't want to feel what they're feeling and so they try to numb that in a way where they say I don't like this I don't want to have to be aware of this I don't want to have to interpret this interpretation is is an important part of this because you have to categorize it's like a bucket I explain it like this and I'm going to talk more about this over the next couple weeks it's like going down here to Lowe's and getting a bucket of paint right you, get, you buy your, your paint and then you take it to the counter and what are they going to do they're actually going to take and they're going to start mixing in all these other hues and colors little bits at a time just too much here too much there it, it makes a difference and so what you've got going on is you got all this stuff pouring into your bucket and you've got to figure out how to interpret what's going on so you can figure out what color that looks like for you what that looks like in your life self awareness interpretation. The last thing is this and this is this is it. Critical critical is action. Action. Self-awareness and interpretation aren't any good without productive actions. You can be self-aware and know what the problem is. You can be self-aware and have interpreted everything correctly but if you do not take the correct actions in your life It doesn't mean anything because you've not processed it in such a way where it's going to help you. It's going to benefit you. It's going to move your behavior into a different direction. Action is critical. Last thing is this. Often our wisest choices go against our strongest impulses. Our wisest choices a lot of times go fly in the face of our strongest impulses because it might be that my impulse is you know what I'm going to punch you right in the mouth right anybody been there you know some of y'all some of y'all are honest yeah, yeah, some of y'all are are liars You, I've never done that ever you're like yeah I just I just want to hit him I want to hit him he made me angry he made me mad that's my brother I just want to punch his lights out that's my impulse the wise choice would be not to do that okay Especially if you live in my household, all right? Just, sorry, just saying, guys, Right? right? Don't hit your brother. So this morning, stand with me. They're going to lead us in this song, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray for you because I want us to be people who say, so, okay, God, this is, this is the body and the mind and the emotions that I have, God, and I want to submit this to you. That's what that's got to look like. It's got to look like us submitting ourselves to the Father. Lead us in this song. I'll in come this back song,
1: um, part of it, the words just say, Jesus, I'm grateful you take me simply as I am. On any given day, no matter how I'm feeling, when I come and I come honestly before my Father and I pray and I ask him to search me, And to show me those things in my life that need to change. Or maybe I just put everything at his feet that I'm feeling. Never once have I ever felt rejected by him. Never once. I've always felt his arms were open wide to me. And I'm telling you right now today, he is that same father to you. So I hope these words will resonate with you.
2: Jesus, I'm grateful. Thank you.
0: Honesty of your love look like today. What does the honesty of your emotions and feelings look like this morning? So, heads bowed, Father, we just come to you now. And Lord, if we are looking at our life and we're looking at the emotions that we're dealing with and we're processing what everything means. Why am I angry? Why am I depressed? Why am I happy? Why am I elated? Why do I feel guilt? Why do I feel shame? Lord, whatever that emotion is, whatever that thing is, this morning we're praying, God, that you would help us to look underneath the hood, to look deeper at what's going on. But Lord, as we look deeper and ask these questions and process this information, that you'll lead us to action that is productive. God, give give us godly wisdom. Give us us godly discernment to know, Lord, the actions we should take and the things that we should do, the places, Father, that maybe we should go or or the things that we should cut out of our life. And so, Lord, maybe that's it. Maybe there are things in our life that you want to to kill and bring in us and just say that's got to die so something else can live in you. And so, Lord, I'm praying, Father, that what this time is and this season in my life, Lord, that you would help me to process this, this, this information to make the appropriate choice and the appropriate decision. So, Lord, we give you this now. We are your people. We're we're people, Father, who are created in your image. And so, Lord, we're praying, Father, that in this image that we bear, that we can reflect you well. We can reflect you truly in every part of who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.